Hey everyone, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. In this podcast, we'll be breaking down the sermon from the previous week, diving into theological discussions, and even having some fun. Make sure to join us every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, and download our Zion Lutheran Church app for more updates. And with that, we hope you enjoy the Breakthrough Breakdown. Hey, welcome to the Breakthrough Breakdown. This is Jason. This is Kate. Dirt. Jennifer. <laughs> Derek and I had to come down low hey, to too much energy. things there. Too much energy. <laughs> okay, so I just got great news. I was just talking to John Quigley, our producer. I think that's what we call you, producer. Um, we have now passed the 1,000 downloads, wow. Mark, and we are 2,000. Oh, uh, we're going to be 2,000. We're going to be 2,000 <laughs> downloads or listens. Um, after this episode. this episode comes out. Woo! That's awesome. So that's a big celebration and a highlight. Thank you guys for those who've been listening. That's such a wonderful mile marker for us, especially because we're most of our listens and downloads are not on iTunes or any yeah. of those. It's through the app. And so thank you for those that are that's faithful. Cool. And I continue to hear people who really enjoy the conversations. Uh, last week, I was talking about the Kerry Newhoff conversation article that came out that he was saying that the future of uh, of sermons and the things that people are looking for content is actually podcasts. And what they want is to hear what the things that weren't talked about in the message, not just a recap of the message, but the conversations that took place. So uh, it's been awesome. Thank you again. Excited to celebrate 2000 and it'll be awesome once we get to the next mile marker, which is 5,000. I'm kind of sad that we didn't get to party like it was 1999. Like it snuck up on us. Kind of did kind of snuck. 2000. Well, <laughs> well and I still, we're going to do a Q&A. We've been talking about doing a Q&A. Yeah. So we need to set up a way on, on our website uh, or on the app for people to throw in questions and That'd ask cool. questions because we're going to do a Q&A podcast. Uh, I promise it's actually happening. It's just <laughs> Kyla's been going. How many of you guys miss Kyla? I miss, I miss Kyla. Kyla. It's her birthday today. I, okay. Kyla, whether or not you're listening to this, happy birthday, Kyla. Derek's not saying happy. No, he's just sitting there. I sent her Kyla, text this morning. Kyla is our <laughs> communications director, and she had a baby, and her baby is absolutely adorable. Mm-hmm. Nellie Jean. She is, yep. And uh, her sister-in-law, Megan, who you've heard on here as our executive director, she's having a baby in July. Yeah. So that whole... Something in the water. There's something... <laughs> I bring my own water. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Jennifer and I are... Yeah, nope. nope. <laughs> Drinking outside water. Outside water. I try to just drink soda. Just, just avoid <laughs> soda. Just Don't want to try it. Yeah. It's funny. Oh. Well, hey, so we're starting our new series, and it's not really a Lent series, though it is starting in Lent, and it's leading us up to Easter, and we're going to be going past this on past Easter, but... Um, we're talking about Awaken, and kind of where we're leading to is that, you know, we want to see what God is doing new in the church, yeah. awakening things. And this last year, we introduced our new mission and vision, and our new vision is we want to be a Tove church. What does Tove mean? Good. Hebrew, thank you, Kate. Wow. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we're too much energy for Derek and Jennifer right now. Um, I love it. The energy? Yep. Not, not just... the Tove church. Oh, and I love the Tope Church, too. That's good. Um, I'm just now a call and response type of guy. <laughs> Except in the traditional service. Um, No. But you do it in the traditional service. So maybe if I put a liturgy to it, would do you do I? it? <laughs> do I? Do I? It's like... Something inherently in his personality says, like, I'm if you not, tell me what to do, I really don't want to do it. I, I have do it. to share this story. Okay, Our listeners it. will want to know this. I want to know it. So yesterday was Ash Wednesday. So 
Derek and I and Jason were sitting in the front row of the front pew of the five o'clock service. And we already had the ashes on our forehead from the noon service. And I'm in the middle. So, and so Derek leans over to Jason and goes, yours looks like a bullet hole. To, regarding the ashes. Why are you telling that no, story? <laughs> it's funny. It is funny. It's funny because you're talking about like the call and response. So here we are, like this somber, like super reverent service. Yours no longer looks like a cross. <laughs> it was just a big circle. It was okay, but do you want to know why it looked like a circle? You rubbed so, it off. No, I was out in the hallway and you had volunteers for kids' ministry who were like, Oh, I'm not gonna get ashes. So I said, Would you like some of mine? I was sharing. Yeah. And being the heart of Jesus. They were going to get ashes. I came up to go and do my volunteers. I came up to like be able to do that for them. And Ashley Dirksen, I love her so much. She's my brain on a Wednesday night. It was like, Jason already got me. <laughs> yeah, and I used my own ashes. Secondhand ashes. Yeah. Right. Of I was like, oh, honey, here, let me double face. up for you. Oh, that's the heart of, okay, so this, this, <laughs> this happened. So I was doing Michelle Watson's. That's Kyla and Megan's. Megan's mom, Kyla's mother-in-law. I went to go do her ashes and she moved her head. So her cross was huge. And I started giggling while I was doing it. And I got the case of the giggles. During the service? During the, for like five people. Every time I put an ash on, I'm like. (laughs) I had to cut my fingernail of my thumb from doing the ashes for the kids because it got so underneath my nail. (laughs) I don't know if I'm just, yeah. I don't know if I'm just disgusting or what, but I texted Megan last night and I was like, is yours gross too, or am I just a gross person? No, mine are gross. No, yeah. it's everybody's. Yeah. yeah. Uh, would you like to hear the funny story from Z Youth? I didn't share this in our staff thread. Come on, I got to. I, we got to. Are you volunteering at Z Youth now too? No, 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 no. This I have the opportunity to take home friends most oh, okay. Wednesdays, and it's just really fun to hear. Most of these are like outside of our church. Who, yeah. if they come, they just come on a Wednesday night. So Z Youth is like that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's really great. But that's like where they that that's their church. And so, anyway, one of the girls last night goes, I thought it was people's ashes. <gasps> Derek said it was own. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, a girl came up and asked me, she's like, is it, is it human ashes? I'm like, no. <laughs> we very specifically add in there when we are teaching kids that it's last year's palms yes. is what it's traditionally people? made out of. You're doing people's hands? Yes. <laughs> No. I also heard that my daughter was annoying to you last night, and I'm sorry. Which one? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. They're all great. Oh, that's too funny. So, well, so we're starting off in, okay, so I got to show, we we talked about a little bit in the message, but uh, I remember, and again, I grew up in a larger city, not in small town, but Blockbuster. I talked about those three companies that went out of business that at one point were the heyday, all went bankrupt. Um, But I remember going to Blockbuster. And for me, when it was videotapes, I remember we bought our first VCR and it was like three hundred dollars. Now you can get one for nineteen ninety nine on eBay, on eBay or Walmart. <laughs> um, but I remember going and like, I was in awe of all the movie selections, and I was always bummed because it used to be before they had the wall of new releases where they had like forty, where it was just like one or two. But I talked about that feeling of going in. Now here, what was the video store here in small town, Northern Iowa? Well, the big one in Mason City was Family Video. Did you guys ever have a Blockbuster? I don't know. I I don't remember. I don't remember if Mason City had a Blockbuster. I'm sure they did. Mason City probably did. Clear Lake had a video rental, I believe, that was, you know where, okay, you know where Ace Hardware is on the highway? 
it didn't used to always be Ace Hardware. It was also a pharmacy on that one side. And before it was a pharmacy, it was a video rental. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So like Highway 18 and Main Street has changed so much even in the last 10 years because that's about how long I've lived in Clear Lake. And even before that. Okay. So, so I use the Blockbuster illustration. I think everybody got the point. But we're, we're going into, and this week we talked about this idea of new wine and you know, we went through the gospel of Mark and Mark, Mark is the action gospel. Yeah. And how did you describe I it? I always call it the spark notes gospel. Like if you want to just get like the quick, oh no, I didn't read the Bible. How am I supposed to go to church? You just read Mark quick. It's like, <laughs> just kidding. So I'm, I'm too old. I didn't have spark notes. Yeah. Mine were cliff notes. Did you have yeah. cliff notes? Mm-hmm. I read, I read cliff notes once. We had a teacher in school who legitimately would buy the cliff notes book and make sure to ask questions that were not in the cliff notes for those of us who That's tried to read them. Good yeah, job. it got some of us in trouble. Make yeah, I did not. I I read. <laughs> I, I read most time. I had like two or three books that I didn't. Grapes I of Wrath. I did the I did the cliff notes on Grapes of Wrath. It was so too boring for me. Huh? That's a good book. Yeah, I couldn't get into it. Cliff notes didn't help engineering. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I didn't know how to do the math. So why did the car fall apart? I read the cliff notes. Yeah. <laughs> So um, when we look at this idea and the whole point of this Sunday is that part of what God is trying to do is awaken the church to new things. And the gospel is always the same, uh, but how the spirit moves in the church and in the world changes. And we kind of went through this idea of the blockbuster or the, the Pharisees were the blockbuster of the time. Yeah. Like they were the top of the food chain. And I mean, every they, if you wanted to know what it meant to be a religious leader or someone to look up to, it was the Pharisees. And here they comes, were like the celebrities of the day. They really were. Yeah, if there were trading cards, I say this. So they, yeah. I'd have a, I'd have a, a Moises, uh, Gamaliel card. Uh, that was the thing. Like there was baseball cards that would have been those guys. Yeah. But they were threatened by Jesus and the new ministry that he did, and they were often got confused by the what with the why. Yeah. They got obsessed. Now, okay, so here's the question. Um, when you think about the things in your life, and a goal of this is not to pick on anybody else but ourselves, what are things that sometimes you can get hung up on where you get so overly concerned about the what you do that you miss the why of why you're doing it? Maybe you miss where the Spirit's leading. And I'll start with one of mine. Yeah. Um, and again, it, it goes around. Yeah, actually, I'll think about uh, Scripture. I used to be obsessed that, you know, NIV. How do you read the NIV or ESV? You had to do a specific Bible reading. And, and don't get me wrong, there's value to having, making sure you have a very good translation. But I'd gotten so hung up on it that if, if a quote traded, uh, used the New Living Translation or something that wasn't one of those, I would immediately would go into critique mode. Oh, I can't believe that's not the most accurate translation. And it was, it was such a small thing. They were still getting God's word. It just didn't fit my paradigm, the box I wanted. And it actually robbed me of joy. Like I found myself that instead of enjoying the message, enjoying being a part of it, I got so hung up on something as small as, well, they didn't use the right Bible translation. Sure, and that yeah. sounds silly, but here's the thing. Like there was a season in my life where that stuff was really important to me yeah. and it, it got in the way. How about you guys? Are there things that when you think about your faith that have gotten in that sometimes can get in the way for you? I think of like, okay, I had two things that I was thinking of. The first one I was thinking about all the crafts that I prep for preschool age and even like lower elementary and I'll craft them. And then sometimes if I don't have any volunteers to help me, it's like hours of work, three to four hours prepping 150 crafts. Guys, that's that's a lot. lot. That's a lot. And I don't always use them 
And I, I'll go to clean up their small group rooms and I'll see untouched crafts that were only <laughs> only relevant for that Wednesday night. And I was like, okay, I guess we're doubling up on Ash Wednesday next week, guys, because I'm not wasting this time. And I would get hung up on like prepping these crafts. But then I was thinking about it, like, well, why do you why do you do the craft anyway? But why do I work at the church? Why do I do ministry in the first place? Is it because I want to prep 150 crafts that perfectly object to like lesson? the Martha Stewart the of Martha Zion? The Martha Stewart of Zion? No, I do it because I love Jesus and I want to bring the word of God to kids yeah. in a way that they can understand. And if they left the building last night understanding that Jesus loved them and that's why we have crosses on our foreheads, like that's all they knew about it, like just because it had to do with yeah. Jesus, that's good enough. Yeah, that's good. How about you guys? Are there things, and maybe maybe you're like, nope, I've got it all figured out. I do. I've got it all figured out. I talk about things in the past, nothing now, because I'm you're perfect. practically perfect in every way. I think for me, for, uh, one of the big things is just having to look at why I believe certain things mm-hmm. and coming to believe. So, for example, when I first came to Zion, infant baptisms, we talk about that yeah. a lot. But I had to do a lot of work on, like, why? What's the heart? Can I get around that? The why is more important than the what. Yeah. The what of whether you do it or not. But more recently, it's been speaking in tongues and like the more charismatic. Um, <laughs> actually, it was coming from a place of like, that's weird. No, it's still beautiful just because I don't participate yeah. because it hasn't affected me. It's just a different way to worship, you know. And so I don't know. I think that's kind of been those have been areas specifically to my faith. Um but I, there's a lot of things outside of faith that you're like, I just, I forget why I do the things that oh, I do. Well, and I think that's the great challenge is because the faith is meant to be practical. And part of what makes it practical is it stretches into other areas. If you're a business leader, how often do we, well, we've always done it this way. Mm-hmm. And, and it doesn't, let's be practical. But I think it's when we start with the spiritual and then we realize, wait, everything in my life is connected to something. Yeah. Well, and, and that's specifically around like religion or faith. Yeah. But I'll give you like another example uh, I used to believe I was called to public safety. I do believe that's a calling. I believe God had placed me in that dark, pl- uh, a very dark place to be a light. I believe I was in ministry in that place. Yeah, I would okay? agree with you. Yeah. Uh, but then more recently, I was working at public safety and I was like, I lose my Jesus when I'm here. Like, it had completely <laughs> changed from like, wow, I'm sent here, and I completely forgot the reason why I am there. Yeah. So, I don't know. I think that's That's just another. Well, and I, so I think the two examples that I like there that you were just talking about, like the tongues one, Mm -hmm. often we tend to want to disregard things that we think are weird, Mm -hmm. which is funny because if you're not, if you are charismatic, you go to a church that doesn't, you go, those people are weird. Yeah. Like now we've drawn two different oh, boundary lines. Ways. It goes both ways. Like, Absolutely. Why don't you speak in tongues? You're weird. And the people who don't speak in tongues are like, why are you? And we're all missing the point. The point right. is to know and love Jesus. Yeah. And on both sides, like I remember being at the vineyard. That's a denom- non-denominational charismatic church. And I was a worship leader in the vineyard. And and this was this is one of the things that was convicting to me. I would sit there and I'd be worshiping with all of my heart on a Sunday morning. And I'd be worshiping with other people. And then we'd have this amazing experience and then I'd leave and I'd be no different. And yet all of my, my, all the things that I got fixated on were all about that 30 to 40 minutes of worship of singing and how people acted there. And I didn't pay attention at all. Did that have any impact on my life? 
And I remember the Lord really challenging me on it. It's like, okay, that's great. You just had a great experience, a great experience in worship. But if it didn't change your life, you might as well have been anywhere else. And that actually, when I when I started convicting that on myself, it made me realize, like, man, it's so easy to get caught up on behaviors or the the boxes that we want to put things in the containers. How about you, Derek? So mine actually follows very, very, very closely to Jennifer's. Uh, so I'm freshly out of seminary within the past year, and uh, I had a teacher. He's my favorite teacher, so if he listens, I'll do a shout out. You uh, should send it to Dr. Him. Uh, Steve Turnbull. Like Steve. Uh, but anyway, so he he did our uh, scripture practicum class, and anytime you'd write a paper in his class, because it's all on Google Docs and they're allowed to comment. And it's not like when you were little where it was just like, good job at the top. Uh, anytime, <laughs> you make a, yeah, anytime you make a point, he would challenge it and he would add a comment. And sometimes his comments were bigger than the point I made. <laughs> and they would be like, so where did you get this idea? Like everything, he, mm. he always brought it back to where did you get this? Like, is this something that you just think you know, or did you actually pull this from scripture? Like, is this something, what did you come into this argument, this conversation, this topic, and already have in your head a preconceived notion? And so he challenged that every single time. So like, if it is infant baptism, and I, you know, if, if you came in and you thought infant baptism does this certain thing, Where'd you get that? Yeah. And if and if you if you just grew up with it, that's that's not enough. That's enough. Show yeah. me show me where you got it. So uh, for me, it's just anytime you realize when you're reflecting on that, where it's like, ooh, where did I get that? Where did I come up with this idea? It doesn't mean it's wrong, but if you don't know where you got it, then do you truly know it? Like, yeah. do you yeah. you know? So and, yeah, I would say even just yesterday, I was talking to someone about parenting. Yeah, I parent my adult son like my parents adult uh, parent me as an adult you're talking to me <laughs> I wasn't talk- well, yeah, yeah we talked about that, this but actually i was talking to someone else yesterday oh about- wow i don't get credit for it wow <laughs> but i mean that's a really good example i'm it, it goes back to like challenging like where you got that from and yeah. is that the best and right way yeah well, and that's, I think that's my the, parents are good parents. I'm not trying to say no, that. no, no, it's, but I think you just hit on the hit is that it's the limited human experience. Yes. It's human nature. Like before we bash the Pharisees, it goes, but yes. they're so close minded. That's what we do because we need systems. We need boxes to make sense of the and world. A lot of their actions and what their, their structures, their systems were built out of love and they reverence. Worked. They worked. Yeah. Well, at one point they did. And that at was, one point. and that's why when Jesus came on the scene, at one point, he said, "You need you should strive to be like the Pharisees." Like that's that was so hard for me to reconcile because in mm. at one breath he's calling them brutal vipers, a pit, a, you know, a, a, a whitewashed tomb, a yeah. den of thieves. I mean, all these things, right? And then he's like, "But you should be like these guys." And what he was really saying is, and interestingly, we actually don't know exactly when the Pharisees came about. We know it was sometime after uh, the temple was destroyed in five eighty six. And most likely during uh, their time in Persia, where people were like, man, if we don't want to be destroyed again, because the, the temple was destroyed because of Israel's disobedience, Babylon took them over. It's believed that they probably happened during the reign of Cyrus and Persia, and that they rose up for a very good reason. They're like, listen, God said if we don't obey him, we're going to lose all these mm-hmm. things. We don't want to have this happen again. Yeah. But somewhere along the way, they stopped pursuing God and started pursuing the behavior and Jesus calls that, and this is when he's like, listen, you create this heavy yoke on people. You go around and you get people to fall in love with the rules and religion and not the God. And you make, 
sons twice of hell. They're, they're sons twice of hell of who you are. And yet, how easy is that for us to do? And, and it used to be, again, when I was younger, I always assumed that had more to do with people that, you know, in a traditional churches, older generation, until I started seeing it in the, in the contemporary service and in modern, like, we're just as judgmental. Mm-hmm. We're just as closed-minded. It goes and, both ways. and understanding that part of that is, is our human psychology, we have to have framework. Mm-hmm. Where by nature, human nature requires, because we can't make sense of the universe if we don't have structures, And Jesus is coming in and saying, structures are good until they get in the way. And I think that's the challenge that Jesus brings in. And what we were trying to get to is um, there's the flip side, right? Now we're in in a culture where things change so quickly. And it used to be, and and this, if you think about this from a a modern history perspective, the church was basically the same for over a thousand years. In fact, if you were Catholic, it wasn't until Vatican II that they stopped doing Latin services. Like up until Vatican II, they, every service was in Latin, which means 99% of people didn't even know what they were saying. <laughs> they, they were just saying it. Well, then the Protestant movement comes, comes along, and then you have the church that grows in the 1800s and 1900s, and things started changing. Well, now churches don't change over a 1,000 years. They change over two years. Mm-hmm. And our trends, even when I was younger, like it was a song would last. We would sing one song for three, four, five years. And we loved it. Now, music is a good way of looking at it. Now, songs change. We have a new song. We have a new worship album. That's the cool new thing to listen to literally every other week. Mm-hmm. And, and it's no wonder that particularly people that were raised in an older generation where they grew up with church looking the same, being the same for decades. And now all of a sudden, it's like church is constantly moving. Mm, yeah. um, Gordon McDonald wrote a book. It was called uh, Who Moved My Church? Mm. And it was written for people who are like, where did my church go? Like, Yeah, this doesn't look the same. Yeah, and that's scary. I have been a Christian since 2016, and I've only been to one church, or been a part of one church. I've been to other churches. I've only been a part of Zion. And even in that time, it is completely different. Like, we didn't have the dock when I first started coming. Yeah. And there's just so many different things. And it to be fair, like, I used to be like, oh, how could you be so grumpy about that? Like, get on the bandwagon, join, trains leaving the station, either get off or join. But now it's like, I could see how why people would feel hurt by that, where it's like, well, that's where I fell in love with Jesus. Yeah. Like, I miss that. Imagine if we got rid of the dock and all came back here. Right. How many people were like, I'm not going there? Like, it'd be sad. Yeah. I was just thinking too about like the Pharisees and, and some of these things where it's like, that provided a sense of stability yeah. Yeah. in a world that's even then oh, was yeah. so, you know, so difficult, so hard. It's like, no, that was the thing that they could count on. It Especially just got... in the, the the light of like thinking about the, the Messiah coming and thinking of what he was going to do f- to keep Rome out mm-hmm. of being like, oh, that's what you're going to do. But Jesus wasn't that. Mm-hmm. Especially when you when you think about Jesus and him coming, like if he were to come today and operated similarly, like even if it was with modern context, you know, here's this person changing every way you view all of the world, and like especially the you know your diehard religion, whether you're whether it's off or not, it's still the thing where you connected with God to the point where I think we would think he's a crazy person today. Yeah. I oh. think it would be I think we would we would fall in the same place as Christians today as they would back then. I think even with the hindsight we have, I still think we would be 
we would be so off base. Yeah. So, um, and I, I talked about him, my, my very dear friend, one of my best friends, who's an Anglican priest. Uh, and I didn't know this. I just learned this a couple of years ago. Anglicans and Episcopalians all broke off of the Catholic Church. Okay. But they still, many of them still pray for the full unification of the church. So they're actually praying that the church would go back to no longer being Anglican, Episcopalian, but church, just the Catholic Church. And one of the arguments that I often hear is why denominations are so wrong is we're supposed to be a unified church. And I think one of the arguments, and he and I have talked about this, is the danger that comes with when you only have one denomination is I think sometimes you can buy into the form instead of the God you're worshiping. And don't get me wrong, I love my Catholic brothers and sisters, and God's doing some great things. There's a revival, uh, a re resurgence in the Catholic Church right now. Um, but I think part of the reason why you started seeing Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, non-denominational, charismatic churches is I think all of them were human expressions of saying, we feel like God wants to move over here, but you had an institution, whether it be Baptist or Lutheran, well, God doesn't move that way. And so the natural response is, well, if you're not going to do it, Jesus, we want to do the new thing, so we're going yeah. to break off. The reason why we have denominations is because we have people who get set in, well, God only operates one way. This box, this container. That's right. And we're all guilty of it. That's not yeah. just a Catholic thing. Lutherans do the same thing. Baptists, non-denominational. And, and Ministries even. That's like, right. You can drill down as far as you'd like. Oh, individual. How quickly. I had somebody when I was at um, my last church, he was, uh, he was a manager at a Christian bookstore. And he really liked me. We started connecting and they decided to check out our church. Well, the one time they came, we did an infant baptism. Literally, we finished the infant baptism. And as we finish, I see him and his family stand up, walk out in the middle of the service. And he has this look of absolute disgust. Like I'm watching him. We're not a big church. There's 140 people in the room. And I go and talk to him. I, I Actually, I tried to talk to him. He wouldn't return my phone calls. I finally see him like four months later. I said, hey, you're not returning my phone calls. I, I saw you leave. He goes, what kind of cult are you in, Jason? I said, what? I, said, I can't believe you did an infant. I can't believe you did infant baptism. Like we were just, we couldn't, we can never be a part of a church that does that. And when we try to talk about it, as we started talking, I realized that he had a container that said, this is how God operates. And he used, even used good Christian language. The Bible's against it. Actually, the Bible's not. It's neither for or against it. If you really want to be literal about it. Jennifer, you and I had this conversation mm -hmm. actually when you first came. Mm -hmm. He got so hung up on the container that he missed what the point of infant baptism is. And I'm not saying you have to agree with it because the Bible doesn't command, nor does it say you can't do it. But I saw like all the joy was robbed out of the moment of God possibly wanting to do something new, celebrating something new because of a human container that we wrapped around language of theology and doctrine. And it, 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 at first, I was really judgmental about it. And then I realized I do the same thing. Yeah. I just do it around different things. Mine, like I said, mine was around what Bible translation are you using? Or if you if you didn't read certain scholars, again, coming from a scholarly background, I had those type of things. And I feel like what God has been pressing into, particularly in the last couple of years within my own life, is I'm realizing that there's a lot of things that I thought for sure God cared about. Mm -hmm. And God's like, no, that was a container, Jason. That's what you care about. Yeah, that's what that's what you care about. That's the that's the glass. Con that's not even a glass container. That's that plastic throwaway cheap. It's not even the thick plastic that you get with a nice Dasani water bottle. It's that cheap, good, 
value bottle that the plastic's so thin that like you touch it and the thing implodes <laughs> on itself, right? I'm literally looking at Derek's water bottle yeah, right now, so I'm making volume, fun of him. Yeah. But like I made that thing as if that was the goal. And I still have those things. And I feel like God has it been... It served its purpose for Absolutely. a moment in your life. But that was single serve, my friend. Like, That's right. I have something more forever for you. And, and I think what God's been working on me on and still continuing to, he's been kind of helping me see, like, man, there are some things that... There are areas where the Spirit is moving, new areas. And do I have eyes to see and ears to hear? Or am I more concerned that it doesn't fit the paradigm I want it to? Now, that being said, there are some paradigms that are, are truly biblical. And if you start getting rid of the Bible and saying, well, we don't agree with the Bible, now you're stretching. No, there are some things that if the Bible commands it or clearly says it, and I mean in right interpretation, we need to be careful of because those are things God cares about. Um, so that's when we get into when Paul says, listen, they're going to start making excuses for sin. They're going to call evil good and good evil. That's different. I'm talking about stylistic or even some theological things that are, they're theological, not doctrinal. Okay, Derek, you had your hand raised. Yeah, um, it was a while back you were talking about it, <laughs> but it made me think of it. Uh, but uh, I really like thinking about the blockbuster Netflix uh, Palm Pilot thing that happened. Nope, just blockbuster Netflix. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because <laughs> what I like about it is, is that, you know, everyone's like, oh, blockbuster should like blockbuster Netflix should have done this deal. I'm glad they didn't, because I don't think if they would have merged, would we have gotten the streaming services that we have now? Yeah. Because yeah. I think the, the mentality of blockbuster would have, because they were the dominant company at the time they would have they would have hindered the progress that's of, a great way of looking at of it. what netflix was trying to do and i think yeah. it would have squashed it to the point where i think we would have eventually got to streaming where we would have got to probably what we have now but i don't think it would have looked like it like it does now and yeah. so i think from a from a it netflix progressed so fast and i don't think it would have i think it would have been a much slower journey it would had. have slowed down innovation yep and so. we've had that conversation before too of like certain ministries that it's like do you really want to have everybody's hands in it because we will make it the way like if i did something new or i tried to you know take in this new thing that i'm trying to do I'm going to make it like what kids ministry does. I have yeah. this structure, this model, this way I do things. I'm going to make it that way. But if I let somebody else kind of go with it, would it be the same? Who knows what kind of new wineskin it would be? Sometimes there might be good because on the flip side. It could be bad. <laughs> could, well, it could be bad, but you could also argue that the blockbuster Netflix, maybe with the combined resources, the innovation might have happened sooner. Sure. And I mean, that goes back to Kodak. Like, I didn't realize that the first digital camera was 1975. They were literally 30 years before ahead of the curve on digital photography. And they actually, like, I saw the picture. And I was like, now, the quality would have been atrocious. But think about 30 years of potential innovation. Yeah. How we would have, we could have been light years ahead I'd of the game. I'd actually have baby pictures. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I, but that's what I like. So it's always the woulda, coulda, shoulda. But I, I look at even like Zion's reality. We have two churches, right? We have or two communities. We have one church, two communities. We have a traditional space and we have the dock. We have the contemporary space. And some will say, well, there's a limitation in that because we're two communities. But what if the beauty is instead of trying to force that I, I look at the dock with our lights and our fog machines and all these things that are extra. They are not necessary for worship, but they do make the space what it is. Try and squeeze that in at the traditional service. 
That, I don't think it would have worked. In fact, I think it would have slowed down the growth that would have happened. On the flip side, if all of a sudden we tried to, let's say we got rid of the traditional space and moved it all over the dock and we started moving towards the liturgy and doing things that like that space has a reverence to it. It feels different just by the space itself. They're not, neither one is bad. And sometimes that's a blessing we have. Most churches don't get that blessing. They yeah. either have to leave a building to build a new one uh, or they try and cram them all into one. And God still uses it because God is bigger than our spaces. Praise the Lord. But think about the opportunity that we have because we actually get to do two wineskins. You like double the church. Yeah. And and uh, let's not fall into the trap of thinking that traditional is an old wineskin. No, it's yeah. just a different wineskin because the gospel's still being preached. The things that God wants to move is still being preached. What makes us an old wineskin is if they get locked into, same thing with the dock. If you get locked into, this is the only way. Yeah. God if there was no bass on a Sunday morning, I don't think I could really worship. Or if the bass is too loud, or if the bass really is too worship. loud. Yeah. Like, pick a thing, you know, yeah. <laughs> so when you guys, um, you think about that role, because the, I think the other part we have to remember is when Jesus is talking about the wine, he's talking about the move of the spirit. The gospel never changes. And as we look at culture, there are things that I think in the future. So, I'm, and I don't know if you've thought about this. So if this conversation, if this question falls dead real quick, I'm okay with that. But I want let's think out a little bit. Where do you think the church is going that maybe the Spirit's starting to lead and maybe we need to start preparing ourselves for it in a different way? Where do, where do you think the Spirit might be leading? Yep. You want me to go? Go, girl. Uh, I said this in our sermon read-through. I'm like, I think you should say this. It could be too premature, but I think you should say it. We decided it was too premature. P.S. That's why I brought it up, Jennifer. Here's a good place to put it. <laughs> Give me that. Uh, first of all, I think that our programs, some of our some of our programs, not all of them, some of our programs are containers that need to be changed. And I think for some of them, and I, I'm speaking of adult ministries in particular, but some of them it's like, why do we do this? If, if either we're accomplished, if the why can be answered, but we're not accomplishing it, then it needs to change. If the why can't be answered, then it needs to be changed. So those are two things. But one thing I think the spirit is really leading on, um, and I don't know how much I should share, but we've had, I'm now saying several, we have now had several incidents, uh, occurrences at Zion where the thing we are doing is happening and occurring the exact same way on the exact same day at other churches. So it's really this idea of like, why are we comp why are we competing? We're not actually competing because it starts to feel like it. We're not actually competing. There's no there's no uh, mal. What's the word I'm looking for? Hopefully, there might actually hopefully no malintent. I don't think I don't there think is, there's malintent. I mean, I don't think there's malintent, but it does strike this chord of like, why are we not cooperating better on this? Why are we not partnering better on this? Why are we not? locally not quite the local church where it's just Zion but not quite the global church where it's yeah. why isn't it like this middle city church you know and like why why can't we send people to this area why can't people send their people to our things when they're when they're good and being offered it's like celebrate recovery I, celebrate recovery is a good yeah. example there's no other church doing celebrate recovery their church is like that we could, should just keep doing that well and having people come here, vice versa. There are other churches that are doing other things well. Why do I have to, why do we have to offer that yeah. if we can collaborate and partner and encourage? And I think the spirit is moving primarily. I was kind of frustrated with God earlier this week. And I was, um, when I used to dispatch, I used to tell the police chiefs and fire chiefs that I worked with that I'm four years ahead of you. 
What that means is the thing I'm telling you that we should do now, we're going to do in four years. And I know this because this has happened. Like, I'm not just making this up. Like, <laughs> there are times I can be like, I literally have meeting minutes from four years ago. And I, and I was getting frustrated with God on that. I was, I was literally like, Lord, like, is this one of those things where I'm going to, you're going to ask me to be patient for four years? And in some regards, I think yes. But then the very next day I had a woman call me and she's not in our church and she was presenting this exact same thing. And so that being said, I think the spirit has begun to move in Clear Lake on that particular issue. I think he's moving in the church abroad. I think the church in the United States is beginning to see that as well. And we saw, we saw inklings of that. The Global Leadership Summit was a perfect example of that. Yeah. You could try and do it yourself, especially small town church. We're not going to do it as well. Yeah. Um, but, or we could do it differently, but it's, it becomes that competing and we don't need to. And I also, I just want to like just full disclosure of like, this is still pretty new. Like, even though I've been praying about it, like, I just think it's just a hint. Like, I think there's more to come. It's beginning. You're starting to see that some new wine is being birthed and our job is to figure out, okay, what's the container? What's the the new wine skin? And instead of getting hung up on, we need to define the wine skin. No, let's, let's seek the wine Mm -hmm. and then find the wine skin that fits it. We tend to put the wine skin before the wine. (laughs) To piggyback off of like what Jennifer is saying about, you know, getting, we're reading this book as a whole staff of the simple church idea and being, thinking about that and this idea of like, there's capital C global church and then there's little C Zion local church, but like, is there such thing as a middle church of like doing things together, collaborating? And I've been thinking a lot about, and we're seeing it, like you said, nationwide, this, this deconstruction movement and, yeah. and, and hearing, I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't have church trauma the way that some people do, but I did have religious trauma as yep. somebody that grew up outside of the church and felt very much so like I did not belong here, that I was not wanted here. But I like to listen to people's, you know, look on, when you see online, you see these TikTok trends of like religious trauma and these things that happened when they were kids or when they were growing up or in youth groups or the way that their churches did things and they're trying to deconstruct that and go back to, but wait, I loved Jesus. I did love Jesus. You know, and you see it in Celebrate Recovery, a lot of these testimonies, you know, and these people are on their knees surrendering to God because they remembered something their Sunday school teacher said to them. They don't remember hardly anything else. And And like, I just thinking specifically of like kids ministry, what are the good things that have lasted? Mm-hmm. What are the good things, the traditions and the things that are working? What are the things that are working and what are the things that are not? Let's get rid of some of those things that are not working and go back to minimalist idea, this simple idea of what were the things that work and let's do those well yeah. before we add anything new. Yeah. And I think the other side of that too is not discrediting the value of yes. the things what was during done. that time. Right. So well, just because it's not a good container now doesn't mean it wasn't a good right. container then. In fact, all, all old containers were once new containers. Yeah. At some point. At some point they were all like, I think it's Sunday school. Most churches don't do Sunday school anymore, right. but there was a point when Sunday school revolutionized the church. Right. Now the model doesn't work anymore, partly because time priorities but also i think the mode doesn't work now sunday school is i listen to a podcast i've got a bible app i use you version mm-hmm. like it's just a different world any thoughts Derek? oh no no okay cool so i you know i think when i look at the future i totally put him <laughs> sorry i totally put you on the spot i think here's one of the trends that i see that i feel like the lord is moving in i think we're going to move into a time we're moving into a time when people are 
They're going to attend church, but what they're really looking for is spiritual coaching. Mm-hmm. And I think that this is part of the reason why so many people are moving, why podcasts are so popular, why why do you follow certain trends on social media Christians do? I think that they're wanting, they're looking for somebody to speak into their life on a daily basis. And I think it's it's going to move us, which is why we need community. I think that's the community movement's not anything. This has been talked about for 25, 30 years now. But I think the community has to look different. And I think that more and more we're seeing people that are desperately, um, they're turning, trying to find things that are going to coach them through life. And, and le- I think we're going to, we could miss that boat as a church if we don't offer resources that offer daily coaching, daily ways for people to learn how to follow Jesus practically. Because that's what coaching is. Coaching is meant to help you if it's in business, it's, if it's in life, it's to give you practical ways. And for too long, the church didn't give practical. They would say, well, here's the application for a text, but it didn't meet you in the day. There wasn't a community. There wasn't somebody that, you know, you maybe would call the pastor, but people want it differently now. And this is where I think we can, some spaces get redeemed like TikTok or Instagram. I think if churches don't learn to leverage those, same thing with social media online, Sunday morning, like I don't, goal is not community on Sunday morning via online. That's not really a community. It's a pseudo community, but it can point people to look at things that are on Facebook, on Instagram, that maybe do offer ways for them to feel encouraged to be strengthened throughout the week. Because here's the one difference that I see pretty consistently. I think as we look at our world, the world is not getting easier, it's getting harder. Between the stuff we're seeing in Ukraine, the financial stuff going on in our own nation, I think it's only going to get more difficult. And church is the one place that I think we have the opportunity to offer hope on a daily basis. I think it continues to be the stability yeah. that even the Pharisees were looking for at some point. And, and we can get locked in and think the, the stability is the, the container the we no, use. The, yeah, the stability is Jesus Christ and the That's hope right. that he provides. And Why so do we, we, use we can yeah. change the containers regularly. And I'll be the first to confess, one of the containers that's hard for me to, to uh, accept at times is social media. It's online stuff because I'm just not a fan of it. But it is a container that if it's used as just the container, the delivery system, it really can be used. I mean, I think of uh, Jacob Peterson. His family goes to our church. He's a, a TikTok influencer, right? That's even a weird word, influencer. But all of his videos, he does little 30-second videos that are just daily things, and people are going to them. And because I think people are wanting it, and I think there's an opportunity if we – well, I don't think we're actually going to get ahead of the curve. I think some churches are already there. Mm-hmm. I think if we're not careful, we're going to fall behind the curve. I don't think we've hit the curve quite yet. Um, I think the other big one that for me is I'm looking at, and I'll just say this, there's a reason why we moved to a 70-minute message or a 70-minute service, not a message. Though there are some churches that do 70-minute messages. I've had some people complain, well, the service is too long. The service is the container. If the service ever gets in the way of the message of Jesus, then we change it. Well, here's what's happening. If you look at where most people are, They want to understand God's word. They don't want a 20-minute message, particularly people that are 50 and under. They want a message that's going to help them understand the Bible, understand why it says what it says, not just here are five simple things. You can't do that in 25 minutes. Not unless you're going to take one verse. Well, that means we would have spent another eight months in Galatians. And so you look at the churches that are growing right now. There are two things that are consistent in churches that are growing in the United States. 
the messages are on average 35 to 50 minutes, and music is moving more charismatic, so more expressive in worship. And the reason that they're saying these two things is the expressive expression part of it is people want music that actually feels like they connect to something. It's not just an emotion, but there, there actually is a connection that's happening in that style of worship. And then the teaching is that people actually, they, they're hungry to learn, even non-believers. They don't understand why we believe, and so that message becomes that. That's why we moved to 70 minutes. It's the container. When people get upset, they'll usually say, well, church should only be an hour. Click, tick, tock, tick. You know, I've got a limited amount of time. That's just a different way of looking at it, and I get it. Some people don't like it, but we have to make decisions that sometimes are we're trying to reach the most amount of people, not the least amount. Now, if it ever gets in the way, let's say we're seeing the trend where people are not coming. Well, then we have to ask the question, are we only doing that because that's the new container mm -hmm. that we're obsessed by? Our job is to have a flexible container. And that's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. And I think our job is to always seek God yeah. to see what our container should because, currently yeah, look like. Research, statistics, articles can come out and say whatever they want about trends of the nation. But what does God say of us? That's right. Right. And our job is to be a parent. Listen, and, and here's the thing. We, we also don't want to dismiss like trends move for a reason. Mm -hmm. We actually have something that Jesus. We offer and, a forever. Yeah. Jesus, the Pharisees didn't have local trends. They didn't have polls. So we have an advantage, but we can also worship the trends. Mm -hmm. And so our job is to listen to the spirit. And that's the tricky part about this. It's so easy to fall into all of the things that we think work. And they're good. They're good resources. Um, all right. So last question. Uh, and. Uh, we had some debate about it. So I grew up in a tradition that didn't do Lent. We didn't do Lent, didn't do Ash Wednesday. And I can't even say grew up. I became a Christian, but essentially I was a teenager. So it was growing up for me. Um, I didn't I didn't know Ash Wednesday. I didn't know any of those things. And there's a challenge that I think has now been a good thing is that so often we can fall into those traditional patterns of assuming that God cares about the tradition, not the why. And during Sermon Read-Through, you guys challenged me, and I'm glad you did, because it felt shamey was the word that was used. And that was never my intention, obviously. Um, well, hopefully it's obvious. I think sometimes on both sides, there's one side for me where I didn't have those traditions where I look at people who do them and go, oh, can't believe you do that tradition. Uh, right. And on the flip side, people who do that tradition, are like, I can't believe you don't do that. And the right heart is, okay, are you are you fasting or are you giving up something for Lent to draw closer to God? Or are you using that as an excuse to do a new diet? <laughs> and, and you can do either of them for the wrong reason. And so when you think about Lent, and I want to think about the positive side, when you think about what's the benefit of traditions? What do traditions offer us, especially when we hold them in light of them? They are the container that points us to Christ. What are some traditions, let's particularly over Lent, what are traditions to you that actually speak to you that make you go, man, I'm so glad that we have people who've done this for 100 years, 500 years, 1,000 years yeah. before us? I think that um, not growing up in the church, it's not a tradition to me, but it connects me to others that have been grafted in. This idea of now I get to be a part of this, that, that I love doing traditions Lent. Ash Wednesday. Ash Wednesday is my second favorite religious holiday next to Easter. I like Lent. I like Ash Wednesday more than I like East, uh, Christmas. And I love the season of Lent. 
And I love the tradition of it and what it connects me to, the history, the church history of it, the why we do what we do. Because that was one of my first questions coming on to um, Zion when I did. We offered an an adult confirmation class, and it was so cool. It was not taught by Derek. I really missed out on the confirmation style, Z Youth Way. Um, But I did have Beth Ann Schumacher, who is... um, probably an expert in all things altar guild here at Zion. I mean, she is the altar guild here at Zion for the traditional service. And just the amount of knowledge and know-how of like what we do was really cool to learn. And like the words for all the different things, like the sacristy and all these, like these super hyper-religious words. But then I got to hear a lot of the why. And you can look into that stuff yourself if you want to, that ch- that church tradition of why we do what we do. And the the fact that, like, since we're, I remember growing up and seeing people with ashes on their forehead. I remember growing up and they would always offer um, fried shrimp or fish sticks on Friday mm-hmm. in my yeah. school during Lent. And I was like, that's so weird. Why? This is like a weird thing. Oh, it's only during Lent, you know, so you don't have to eat meat. And I was like, fish is meat. Yeah. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's like how me, I was like, I'm trying to wrap my head around it, but I wasn't raised in it. But now, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm like, it's like cow meat. That's all I can think of. I think of it is meat actually. <laughs> but like thinking about the, why you do what you do. And the point is that as a Lutheran, why I chose to come here to Zion and be uh, confirmed as a Lutheran, that denomination the point is that you get to choose that. Yeah. If I wanted to eat cow a cheeseburger four times a day during Lent, I can. If I don't want to get the ashes, I don't have to. If I don't want to participate in communion, I don't have to. I don't have to give up anything. I don't have to yeah. add anything. I don't have to do anything at all during Lent. You don't, don't have to. Have you choose to. to. Yeah. And why would you choose to? And that's that. That's what I love about Lent. Yeah. How about you guys? Closing thoughts. Uh, I think one, this just was from yesterday with Ash Wednesday in particular. I just uh, saw the beauty in both of our um, communities coming together under the same banner. Mm. And I thought that was, for me, I think that's really beautiful. And I think traditions can be like a fine china where you just hold it so sacredly and hold it like, just stand back and just admire the beauty because of the thing it contains. You know, it just it just elevates the thing that it contains. Would you would you say it's almost it's uh, sometimes we confuse sacred with precious? Sure. Because I think there's a preciousness to it. Precious, probably, yeah, not sacred. Precious, no, but I think right we word. make it sacred. That's when it becomes yeah. a problem. But yeah. when we view it as precious, yeah. now all of a sudden it's like, why would we not do this? Yeah. yeah. But when now it's sacred, now you have to. Do I'm it. just and thinking you, of like yeah. if you make a, a a soup, for example, the soup can be the same soup and just depending on how you package it will yeah. de- will affect the way you receive it yeah it's and, in a plastic bag or and it's in a beautiful yeah and i don't know that's kind of how i view the traditional yeah. type things where yeah. it's like this is just packaged in a really lovely way I like and, that. yeah for me it's uh every like let's say we just focus on a sunday morning and you had you just rolled off eight Sundays in a row. Row like it's so easy to then it's like, man, Easter's here. Yeah. Oh, now I gotta know the 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 grandness of what happened on Easter of Jesus's death and resurrection on the cross. I love the idea of Lent, preparing your heart and your mind for the coming of what is going to happen. And so to me, it, it to me it's a good uh, reminder. It's a good it shakes me out of my normal. Mm-hmm. I'm going on a Wednesday or I'm going on a Sunday morning. And so to me, I really like it. It's to me, it's a, um, 
yeah, it's just that it just serves as that simple reminder of, wow, I, I am dust. You know, I do need I do need what's going to happen on Easter so badly. And so to me, it's a and it's very, very obvious one. Like I'm putting a, I'm putting dirt on my face, like literally, like even though that doesn't mean any like doesn't on its own, like just putting mud on my face doesn't mean anything. But to me, it does like it, it, it is. It's a recollection of like. I am I am broken and I live in a broken world and I need I need that Jesus's resurrection I need that in my life and so to me compared combined with communion I think it's 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 super awesome I um before I didn't know what Monday Thursday meant but Monday means command <clears throat> Monday Thursday for me I I love the reminder that we have a new command and that the command is to serve the command is that the point of the gospel is not that I increase, but I decrease so that Christ might increase. And I, it's so I forget that a lot. And I, that's one of the things that I appreciate about the tradition of Monday, Thursday. Same, similar to you with Ash Wednesday. I also, I think there is, there's something holy in saying, to dust you came, to dust you shall return. Reminded that there's a finite to life. And that this isn't, this isn't the goal. Heaven's not the goal either. Like, I think that's a, that's another problem we run into as we fixate so much on trying to get to heaven. We forget that we're called to live here, here and now. The goal is Jesus. The goal is to have a relationship with God and that one day we're going to have a physical reality that will no longer be bound by dust. We'll have eternal bodies and perishable bodies, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians. Well, hey, um, guys, thank you. This was a fun conversation. I um, so appreciate all of you. And again, I'm excited we're... The amount of downloads is awesome. Thank you again for those who are listening. If you found this helpful, do us a favor, share it with somebody. Love to hear your comments. They, they really do matter to us. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you were at Ash Wednesday, so great to have you there. If you didn't, hey, we look forward to hopefully seeing you on Sunday or online. This has been the Breakthrough Breakdown. I'm Jason. This is Kate. Derek. Jennifer. Hey, that was good. I had you know, thinking about right? new wineskins, did you guys see that Bob Goff has a new book? Duh! Yes! Bob is in the house. And Who? also, isn't it called Distracted? <laughs> Which? Undistracted. Oh, shoot. Okay. But it is really good. Yeah. I, I so far, I guess. It's have you good, read it? Yeah. No, I, have, I don't okay. have it yet. It's, it's, I think it just got released. If All not, right. gonna, anyway. Well, everybody have an amazing day, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on Sunday. Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Breakthrough Breakdown, a Zion podcast. Make sure to follow us on Spotify, Apple Music, and check out the Zion app. Share this episode with your friends so they can tune in as well. We'll be back next Wednesday with another installment of the Breakthrough Breakdown.